you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. Um, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 3, and today's message is entitled Crossing Over. Um, if you know the uh, history of uh, the Israelite nation, you know that they were in captivity um, in Egypt, and then um, the Lord uh, delivered them from that, and then they crossed over the Red Sea. And so today, when we think about where you are in your relationship with Christ, we're either standing on one side of the bank or the other. And the question is for you today, as it is for me, what side of the bank are you on? So with the Red Sea, you have the nation of Israel that were people enslaved. And that's similar to us as, as people that, that never have a relationship with the Lord. We are enslaved to sin, the bondage of sin. And maybe you're here today and that's you. You have never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you are stuck in the pattern of sin and brokenness that this world has. Maybe you're on the other side because you saw the Lord's deliverance crossing over to the Red Sea. The other side was an example of freedom that the nation of Israel moved from a nation defined by slavery to a people of freedom. And maybe today you're standing in that seashore and you're looking on the other side and you have been delivered by Christ through the gift of salvation. But what happened with the nation of Israel is they received the free gift of salvation, but they didn't live in that freedom when they got to the Jordan River. God was telling them to cross over and they find themselves in rebellion to that because of fear, lack of trusting of who God is. And so they find themselves for 40 years just wandering in the wilderness. And I'll tell you as, as um, a believer in Christ, I'd been set free from the life of sin and had been giving the gift of, of the gospel and of salvation, but a lot of my years I find myself wandering around in the wilderness, not living out a life of purpose and meaning, not living the life that God intended for us to live. And then you find yourself at the Jordan River after those 40 years, um, everyone 20 years and older had passed away but now the, the nation of Israel finds themselves at the Jordan River again, led by Joshua because Moses had just passed away. And they have the decision where they're sitting on one side of the, the Jordan River on the bank, and they are reminded for the past 40 years that they have been living in rebellion to God and brokenness to God. They saw their forefathers that didn't trust God in that capacity when they found themselves there. But on the other side, is the life that God intended. Now, I know there's a lot of old hymns that talk about the Jordan River being crossing over uh, and that being heaven. And, and I'll tell you, if you look at Scripture, that is not description of what it is because on the other side of, of the river is the capacity for rebellion. Um, you see brokenness and death. Everything that we are headed towards in heaven, God has completely sealed. He has totally already removed the enemy and, and there is no capacity for, for sin or brokenness that we get to experience him and freedom. And so when we cross over to the other side of the Jordan, it is a believer taking possession what God had intended the life of Christ to look like here on earth. And so for you today, I wanna ask the question, what side of the bank are you on? Maybe you're here and you are lost and you're enslaved to sin, or maybe you've crossed over that point and you're in the middle ground of having received Christ as Savior, but you are, and you are free, 
but you are not living the life God intended. And so today I want to pray for us, and then we're going to dig into Scripture again um, in uh, Joshua 3. And let's ask what the Lord has to say to us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for today. God, I thank you that your word penetrates hearts. God, out of those three descriptions, every person in this room is associated with one of those things. God, your intent to salvation was not just to set us free from the penalty of sin. It was to live a life of your purpose here on earth that when people see us, they see the Son of of Christ through us and it's one of boldness and one of freedom and one of grace and one of possession. So Father, I pray today as we walk through your word that God, you would speak. And God, if there's any person in this room that doesn't know you as Savior, God, draw their heart to salvation, God. Lord, if they find themselves just a, a wanderer that is a believer in you and, and has been rescued by your grace, but currently they find themselves in the, in the desert of life and or they're just wandering around and they're not living a life of intentionality and purpose and meaning. I pray that, that you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would speak into their heart, God. Awaken us in this room. God, if there are those that are living out that life of meaning and purpose, God, I pray that they would every day see your name being lifted up in their life the fulfillment of, of your power and grace in them. Father, today I pray that they would be encouraged by your word. We love you. We pray these things in your son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So as you look at uh, Joshua chapter 3, starting in verse 1, this is what it says. It says, Early in the morning Joshua and all of the Israelites set out to Shechem where, uh, and went to the Jordan where they had camped and planned to cross over before they crossed over. After three days, the officers went through the camp and gave the order to the people. And, and if you write and underline your Bible, underline this, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that, that picture there is the Ark of the Covenant was an example of the presence of God. It, it was, it was in, constructed to, to let the Israelite nation know that the God of heaven and earth existed with them and he had chosen them as their children. And so here, you, when they're carrying it through, it says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, and the question is this, are you a person that looks for the presence of God on a daily basis? Or are you currently, when you think about being a person that, that crosses over, point number th uh, one is this, crossing over is looking for the presence of God and responding rightly. It is, it is a person that is looking for the presence of God and responding rightly to it. For every, everyone in this room, we, we at times, we can get ca so caught up in self. I, I can tell you at 5.45 this morning, I, I didn't realize what I would be doing today, but God did. And that is true for every person in this room. We, we at times think we have life under control. We think that we know what the next steps are. But God knows our future. And he is the only one that holds our future. And so for you today, looking for the presence of God is not only a need for you, but it's a need for me. And it's trusting in his presence and it's responding rightly to it. 
You think about the, these people when they're sitting on the shore of the Jordan River. The last time they were there, they were there with their parents and grandparents. And they saw their grandparents and parents not obey the Lord. And so here they stand there again and trust that God I am going to trust you at this moment. Look what he says, and he says, and carrying it, you will move forward from your positions and follow it. Currently, knowing where you are and looking towards where God is and who he is and trusting him in that capacity is what is needed for you to be able to cross over. Look what he says in verse 4. It says, however, there shall be between you a distance about 2,000 cubits by measure. That's 1,000 yards. So it's a half a mile. It says, you do, uh, do not come near it, and you may know the way, that you may know the way by which you should go. For you have not passed this way before. Point number two is this, crossing over is keeping your eyes on the Lord and being willing to leave our comfort and what we find familiar. When you think about your life today and my life today, the question is this, um, one, are your eyes consistently on the Lord? Here, when you think about this, there are times in our lives, like when the priest would be carrying it through the camp, our eyes are casted towards the Lord. We recognize that he is doing something and he has our attention. But, but the thing that he was saying here is, make sure that you keep 2,000 cubits or 1,000 yards between you and God so that you can always see his presence. Because you may feel like you've got it under control at some point. Or maybe you find yourself in a comfortable situation. But God is the one that is always desiring to give you guidance. It's similar to me, I don't, I don't know about you, um, but when you go um, on a trip or a destination that you're not familiar with, my go-to app is the Waze app. And so for me, I can get lost very easy. All right, so uh, Ken and I, we were in Dallas, Texas a, a couple of weeks back. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Dallas, but the traffic is horrible there. And uh, you're going from uh, one side of the highway over about six lanes to the other side of the highway. And my navigator, Ken, was sitting next to me. Now, I reiterated that morning, Ken, this is your rental car. Don't you want to drive? But, <laughs> but there are times in life that you don't get to make that choice. And Captain Ken Bevel said, no, nah, Garrett, you can drive today. Enjoy this Dallas traffic. And so for me, I, I hopped in the driver's seat and we started headed on. But my dependency was on Ken Bevel and that app that he had opened up. The question is for you today, where's your dependency? When you think about the, your life currently, when you think about what side of the bank you're on, man, are you looking for the presence of God? Are you dependent on the presence of God? Are you continually moving towards the, the presence of God? And, and you think about that. Um, when, when he says that, that you have never passed this way before, for all of us in, in this room, we, we have experienced life where God sends us in places that we've never been. And the awesome thing about that is you see it in, in the statements of Paul in the New Testament that his power is made perfect in our weakness and our, our dependency on him is, is trusting God, you know what's best. It's similar to that app that he had pulled up when traffic got heavy, it cast us all on a different road, and, and that is the flexibility of knowing and trusting that, God, you know what? You know what is ahead of me. And so my sensitivity of keeping this distance and keeping you in clear view 
in my life is trusting that you know what's ahead of me. And so if you're t- uh, telling me to take this off-ramp, God, I'm going to trust that you know what's best. And you take that off-ramp and you trust God in that capacity. Are you doing that today? You know what? The, the life of crossing over and being a person of God's possession is knowing and trusting that you don't have all the knowledge. And that life is not going to be figured out by your intellect. That, that in order for us to have an eternal purpose, an eternal meaning, we have to trust an eternal God that knows from beginning to end. And he holds all things under control. And so for you today, are you trusting in that capacity? Are you just holding on to your life? Have you gotten so familiar with the presence of God that maybe you, you've inched close enough to him and, and, and you're not living with, with a holy reverence and, and desire? It's similar to me if I showed up in Dallas and, and I had no idea where I was going. I knew the, the, the point, the destination, and I had the capacity to know in my phone with this app, but I never opened the app and never plug in the destination. And God wants to be your guidance. He wants to be our guidance. Here, here it is. Look at this. And, uh, well, you don't have to turn there, but 2 Corinthians 1, 3 says this. Praise be to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion and all comfort. You think about this. When, when he was calling, God was calling them to leave what was familiar, to go to a land that they'd never possessed, the question is this. Are you... Are you willing to leave what you know is comfortable? And are you trusting that God is the God of all comfort? You know, where, where is your comfort right now? I know for me, I, I can tend to drift to what is comfortable for Garrett instead of trusting God. So right now in your life, when you think about crossing over, it, it is anchoring the identity of your comfort and the God that holds those things under control. And if we ever... If we choose to make comfort our God, we will never get off of the riverbank. What is familiar? Look what he says in verse 5. He says, God told the people, consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things through you or among you. Point number three is this. Crossing over is living a life of holiness. Living a life of holiness. Um, I, I have two kids, and I don't know about your kids, but, but my kids at times can be rebellious. All right, so uh, I know you have perfect kids, and if they're sitting next to you, you can look at them, and you can just shake your head. You're perfect. No. Um, but but mine, mine aren't. But you think about this. They, they are good kids, and they're sitting on the front row taking notes. Uh, but uh, they probably want to throw something at me at this point. But when you think about um, blessing your kids, we, we have reward systems, right, that, that when when they do the right things and they live life in a certain pattern, certain way, there are a, a reward system that, that we have in front of them. And so if they, they get up every morning and do what they're supposed to do and they do their chores, that at the end of the week we have an award system. The thing is, I always love my kids. Whether they are living and existing and doing exactly what I am asking them to do at the time, I never limit my love for them and I would sacrifice and do anything for them. And so if you're here in this space and you have a relationship with God and you just heard that point and you say, well, man, do I have to live a life of holiness to have God's affection and, and to receive salvation? And the answer of that is no, because when you step into salvation, God gives you his righteousness. 
And every person in this room that is a believer in Christ, you are not saved by your works. You're saved by the work and finished work of Christ. And you have God's affection on you at all times. He always, ever loves you. But the truth is this, that when we live a life of holiness, a life that is walking out his will, we see him do amazing things among us because we have positioned ourselves to be used by God. And that is the awesome thing about our Savior, that salvation was not just intended for you to be saved and seal your eternity, but he has given us the ability to live a life that reflects his presence to this world. And so here, when, when they are about to cross over, you're going to see a 20-mile stretch of ground that is dried up and the nation of Israel moving over to the other side. But the question is this, are you currently consecrating yourself before the Lord, asking him, God, search me, God, reveal in me brokenness. God, help me make sure I'm making the steps of obedience to you, walking in your will, where God is able to do amazing things among you because you are going to be faithful to give him praise. Just like my kids, if you ask them at the end of the week if they had lived a life of just reckless abandonment and not did what mom and dad had told them to do, but you ask them, hey, on Friday, do you want to get the reward you should have received? If you'd done that, all of us would say yes. And guys, how many times, I know for me I have, how many times have I walked in blatant disobedience to God but still desired for his presence to be made manifest through my life? And more often it's not for the exaltation of, of his name and the provision of salvation for others. It is the, the, the provision of his power through a circumstance in my life. So maybe currently you're asking God to, to bless you or to work in some capacity, but if you're looking at your steps and we were able to record what your days look like, you're not currently walking in obedience to God. And maybe God's Spirit is speaking to you today, and he's saying, consecrate yourself to me. Man, don't, don't expect me and desire me just to provide for you. I want to have a personal relationship with you. If you look at Joshua, you, you notice that as they went into the land, God is not a task-driven God. God always wants our hearts. And that's the thing about every person in this room. God didn't want you to just show up to church today. God wants you to have an intimate relationship with him. He wants your hearts. He wants you to walk with him daily, day by day. And what you see is God working and operating in that capacity, saying, hey, come to me recognize who I am, recognize your need for me. I want to do amazing things among you. Look what he says in verse 6. He says, Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and they went ahead of them. Point number four is this, crossing over is living a life knowing that he is going before us, that God is the one that is moving ahead of us. Um, how much comfort is that in your life, in my life, when we know because times in our lives where we feel like we have it under control, we're not looking for his presence. We're not looking for his provision. We, we wake up, we go through the circumstance of the day, and we think, you know what, I've got this under control. But when God tells us or puts us in a situation to where we cast or need to cast all dependency on God, the knowledge of knowing that he goes before us gives us the peace and comfort. God, you have me in this moment. Uh, a couple of years back, I, I've been doing student ministry, if you're new here, 
um, for a lot of years. And um, we used to do this thing, it was called Man to Man. So it was taking our high school guys out and we would eat steak, we would um, have uh, conversations and talk, biblical talk, just about what it is to be a man of God. And then normally we would do some kind of manly thing. And uh, one of those, if you've ever been to Blackshear, there is a cliff and there's a blue hole and there's uh, some uh, uh, scaffolding that someone's put up in a tree and rope swings. And so we, we went there. I, I had not uh, looked at it, so I'll go ahead and scratch my name off the liability list at this point. And, uh, and, and sorry, I was leader, so I was very liable to what was about to happen. But uh, we, uh, we show up to uh, the edge, and you, if you've ever been there before, which I, I don't really recommend a lot of people going, um, but... Uh, <laughs> There, uh, it is very evident that there wasn't a, a, a code that people had to construct these things with. They are uh, little pieces of board stuck up in a tree that goes up about, looks like 50 feet in the air, which it's not, but it seems like it. And then there's like this one platform that hangs over the ground, here I said ground, that you have to jump out into the blue hole. And so one of our, our, our kids, our students, uh, he was 11th grader at the time, uh, he, uh, he was the kid that you just wanted to strangle most, most days. I'm just being honest with you. And so um, he decided he wanted to do this. And so uh, Matt goes and he climbs up this, uh, this platform. He goes all the way to the top. Um, his little buddy, if you've ever seen uh, the Christmas story, it would be the one with the red hair and then the, the other uh, kid that was uh, partners with him. He was underneath Matt, uh, just to paint a picture in your mind. And so Matt got up to the top, and, uh, and he's one of those guys. Again, he had aggravated us a lot that night before. And so um, you were saying, oh, this is going to be good. And, uh, and his dad was on the trip with us, so I felt, you know, okay, this is all right. Dad's watching this as well. So Matt gets up to the top of the tree, and he's sitting there thinking, like, hey, am I about to, you know, he's like, hey, I'm about to do this. And so we count it down, five, four, three, two, one. And Matt's just standing there because... He was very brave at the bottom of the tree, but as he climbed up, he realized this is high. And so, so Matt, uh, if, you've, if you've seen it, it's just a small little platform on the side of the tree, and you have to face out, but it's like this much of a step that you're sitting on. So he's sitting here like this, holding the tree behind him, and, uh, and then he's like, okay, I'm going to do it this time. And then finally again, five, four, three, two, one. And he, he goes like this, but then he grabs hold of the tree. And uh, this takes place. Uh, probably five minutes. Everybody stopped what they're doing, looking up at Matt. Matt's sitting there, his little cronies by, behind him, and uh, he's like, go, Matt, go, you know? And, uh, and so finally, Matt, you know, we're like, all right, let's just, let's just go on. And Matt, you know, just being the, the man he is at that point, he's like, nah, I, I'm seriously going to do it this time. So again, five, four, three, two, one. He goes like this, and then he goes to reach to grab the tree, and he's already committed too much. <laughs> so, so he, uh, he goes, and he's like tilting forward. At this point, again, not a whole lot of heart affection towards Matt, but understanding what could happen, I go, no, you know, and, uh, and he, as soon as like, he was like parallel to it, he kind of juts out just a little bit, but you still didn't know what was about to happen. You know, it was so close. And Matt's going, 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 and here is the edge of the thing. And he just goes and belly flopped from the top. You know, you know, the echo. And, uh, 
he, uh, he, he gets in the water and he rolls over in his chest. Like, I didn't know what was about to happen. I was like, you know what, Matt is gone, guys. And uh, <laughs> Matt rolls over and comes up out of the water and he's like, oh, you know, and just as red as he could be from, you know, head to toe. And, uh, and then his little crony friend, because Matt just, he was the example. He, he survived the situation. His little crony friend said, Matt, move out of the way. And uh, he was like, all right, count me down. Five, four, three, two, one. No hesitation. Jump. And he just penciled it in. No belly flop and disaster. What I'm telling you is this. Like when you think about what is about to happen here, crossing over is living a life with the knowledge that he is going before you. God desires to be our example. God wants us to walk in confidence because we have the knowledge that we have a God that is going before us. And he has the capacity to drive out all of the enemy. He has the capacity to, to empower us to do what we're calling, he's calling us to do. Look what he says in verse 7. It says, And the Lord said to Joshua today, I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel. You, you think about that if you underline uh, in your Bible, today I will begin to exalt you, the eyes of Israel, so that they may know that I am with you. Again, the purpose of, of his exaltation was that people would see Christ in, or sorry, God of heaven in him. So when you think about God exalting you in some capacity or giving you a platform of leadership or a platform of, of being an example is for the purpose of people seeing you, but seeing God through you. He says, as I was with Moses, it says, tell the priests to carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the edge of the Jordan River, go straight into the river. Point number five is this, crossing over is understanding our ability to be an example and a living witness. We have the opportunity to be Jesus with skin on. You think um, Old Testament, there was an example of, of God empowering or God doing to draw recognition that God is in control. New Testament, New Testament, you see that as well. You think about Paul saying, follow my example over and over again in the, in the epistles. And it's for the purpose of saying, God is in me. It's not me that's doing this. It's, it's for the glory of God. And so for you to cross over, it is you embracing to be the example of God. If everybody around you lived out Christ the way that you lived out Christ, how would the mission of God be fulfilled right now? When you think about this community, if God, every believer in Albany, Georgia, lived out the mission of God the way that you're currently missing, living out the mission of God, would Albany, Georgia be one for Christ? Your school, your work, wherever you are, are you in a living example for the people, even for your family? Look what he says in verse 9. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the word of the Lord. Again, if you underline, that is such a, an awesome thing. Um, he, Joshua, is calling the Israelites, and he's saying, what is about to bring you comfort now is not going to be my words, but it's going to be the word of the Lord. Verse 10, it says, this is how you will know that the living God is among you, you and that all will continue to drive out before you the Canaanites, the Habites, the Hittites, the Parasites, the Gerasites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, all of the sites he's going to get rid of. 
Verse 11, see the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all of the earth going into the Jordan River ahead of you. Point number six is this, crossing over is living a life, trusting in the truth of God, not in what you see and how you feel. All of us in this room, we, we struggle with that. We, we struggle, like I said, at the front part of, of um, our comfort being the thing that sets direction for our days and, and sets direction for even our ambitions for the future. God, I want you to do what is most comfortable to me, what brings joy to my heart. And then the other is this, trusting in what we see or what we feel at times. As if we are going to be a person that, that goes and, and lives a life of his possession, what God has, has called us to and given us as believers in Christ, then we have to live based on the truth of God, not on what we see and how we feel. Number seven is this. Look what he says in verse 14. He says, So when the people broke camp and crossed over to the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them, and now the Jordan was at flood stage all during the harvest. And if you've ever been to Israel, you, you've seen this before. The Jordan River, um, the first time I went, I, I had this picture of what the Jordan River would look like. Um, but uh, when I got there, it looked totally different. Um, and most of you, if you've been, you probably can testify to that as well. Um, it was maybe uh, 30 to 40 yards across the, the Jordan River at this time. And uh, at most, and then I think the depth, we went out pretty good uh, ways, but, but it says that the, the average when it's not flood stage is three to nine foot. Um, and uh, we were baptizing people in the Jordan River, Pastor Cat and I, this was several years ago, and I saw a large fi fish swim between um, this lady and uh, myself, and I thought, Lord, help us. All right, so she didn't notice it. And then I saw a river rat. I, I didn't know those existed there, but, uh, but that, I saw that as well. And so when you think about the, the timing of God opening up the Jordan River, wouldn't it make sense that, that God would do it opposite of the flood stage? Uh, because uh, here at flood stage, they, they believe, uh, and, and still to this time, um, it expands out to our almost uh, a thousand yards, a, again, that, that half a mile. And so um, and uh, and it, you have the, the water rushing down from the mountains that, that uh, cruise down all the way to the Dead Sea. And so um, you, you see that this would not be a logical time for God to do something amazing. But also, when you think about this, if God did it during the natural time that we would select, would the presence of God really show up in power? Would, would the, the nations around them fear and tremble because there is a God in Israel now, God does things through our lives and, and in our lives when, when it seems most illogical and unnatural, so it shows his power and grace operating through us. So number seven is this, crossing over happens when he says, not when it is convenient or makes sense. Look what he says. Um, it says, yet as soon as the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing and it piled up in a heap a great distance of way called Adam. And so this was 20 miles upriver. While the water flowed down to the, to the salt sea, it, completed, it was completely cut off so that the people crossed over opposite of Jericho. They're only a, uh, half a mile away from Jericho at this point. And the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant stood firm on what? On dry ground. 
in the middle of the Jordan while the Israelites passed until the whole nation had completed crossing over on what? On dry ground. You know, the, the thing that, as I was reading that even this morning, our God not only has the capacity to cut off the water, he also has capacity to remove the moisture. You, you think when you walk through something, and my kids did this the other, uh, actually last night, tromped through some, some mud and brought that inside the house, the evidence that it was wet outside was evident on our floor. The, the nation of Israel and the priests stood on dry ground because it proved God's power even to a greater level, that you're not even going to take residue on your feet through this life when you're trusting God. It is going to be completely evident that God has moved in power and done something amazing. So again, crossing over happens when God says, not when it's convenient or makes sense. Look what he says in verse uh, 1 of chapter 4. It says, when the whole nation of Israel crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each of the tribes, and tell them to carry the 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan from right where the priest stood and carry them over while you are putting them down in the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men and he appointed from the, uh, from Israel, from the Israelites, one from each of the tribe, and he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the middle of the Jordan, each of you should take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of Israel to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flowing of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the Lord or the covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed over the Jordan, the waters from the Jordan River was cut off. These stones are to be a memorial for the people of Israel forever. Point number eight is this, crossing over is choosing to live a life that has a lasting eternal impact. For you and your life, I, I ask you that question, is your life currently being lived out in a way that is gonna have a lasting impact? When people look at you, do they, do they see and hear the movements of God? When your children and the children's children look back on your life, are there memorial stones that are piled up, not, not to give testimony and affirmation to who you are, but your life is just a banner waving, saying, there's a God in heaven. There's a God in Israel. There's a God that has saved and rescued my soul, and he gives us power, purpose, and meaning that lasts for eternity. How are you currently living your life? If you were to evaluate today what side of the river you're on, is it the side that God would desire for you to be on? Are you on the other side of the Red Sea and slavery to, to sin and slavery to brokenness? Because here's the thing, um, God sets us free from the power of sin, but we can fall back underneath the bondage of sin. And maybe you're here today and you're a believer in Christ, but man, you have fallen back underneath the, the bondage of sin. And today you need to hear from the Lord saying, you don't have to live this way anymore. I have provided a way Maybe you're here today and, and you are not a believer in Christ. You've shown up today and, and the Lord has moved in your heart or maybe spoken to you that, man, today is, needs to be the day of your salvation. 
Maybe you're a believer in this uh, space today and you're like that wandering horde of Israelites just in the wilderness. This is what I'm going to ask you to do and the band's going to come up and we're going to have a time of, of invitation. But I'm asking you to do this. Man, respond to the Lord today. Whatever capacity he's calling you to, don't sit in the comfort of your seat and the comfort of your current spiritual condition. Do you desire to trust God in some capacity that he is providing for you and your life is going to be left as a legacy of what God can do? Are you willing for God to do that in your heart and life today? So what I'm going to ask, if you will, stand to your feet. And I'm going to pray for us. But my challenge for you today is this. Trust God. The, the challenge the Israelites would say after crossing over the Jordan River this time, they would have looked back on their moms and, and grandparents and, and fathers and said, I should have trust God because he's faithful. Is your life going to be a legacy of faithfulness?